Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Dog Check Podcast. Your Cleveland Browns are now 3 and 1 after a disappointing performance, but at the same time, a great win. The Browns are 3 and 1. You know, there's not too much to complain about after the Browns get a win. We are joined by the one and only co host, Eric Metcalf. Eric, how you doing today? I'm doing great, and you are 100% correct. We're not disappointed. We're just, we just know that was ugly, and I mean ugly. Ugly. <laughs> but I, Go ahead. <laughs> I said, but I, I, I picked it to be an ugly game. My, our guest will tell you that. We are also joined, you, you mentioned the guest, we're joined by the one and only former Brown, Cleveland Browns wide receiver, Reggie Langhorn. Reggie, we appreciate you taking the time to come on. How you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thanks for the invite, guys. And, yes, he did predict the ugly, slow-scoring, low-scoring game. So. <laughs> so Eric and I talked about, we were briefly going over, you know, the Bears game, every other game, and this Vikings game. You guys mentioned, you know, you guys both had it as being ugly, and my girlfriend and I actually made the trip to Minnesota. We decided last minute, we were like, you know what, what do we have to lose? Let's make the 10-hour drive from Cleveland to Minnesota. We left Saturday morning, got there. By the way, I don't know if you guys have been to the new uh, Viking Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium. It is one of the most pretty stadiums I have ever been to. Have any of you guys been there yet? No, sir. No, no, sir. It was one of the, like I said, probably the most beautiful stadium I've been in so far. I mean, you got, you know, the dome, the the, the ceiling is, is a dome. It's all glass, see-through. Um, The door is literally, I'm talking, half of the entire wall on one side of the dome retracts and opens up so that way the fans can get into the stadium. It was absolutely crazy, but, you know... Focusing on the game, I think, you know, obviously, number one, the defense is absolutely been playing absolutely crazy. Um, you know, they currently rank second in the NFL in total defense. Um, Quincy Carrier on Twitter tweeted a great tweet, and I want to get you guys' opinion on this. You know, the Browns have been dealing with some injuries so far this year. Um, they've lost three stars on defense, and to fill the void, we've had JOK, Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams come in, and on Sunday, again, in what was an ugly game, everything was ugly, in my opinion, on offense. Again, the defense played absolutely amazing. So, Eric, I'll start with you. You know, again, losing three starters on defense to have JOK, Delpit, and Greedy all come in, I mean, that, that pick that Greedy Williams had was absolutely beautiful. I mean, turning the head, following the ball, staying on the receiver, and making the catch, it was a great play. So, you know... From the defense playing good against Chicago to now Minnesota two weeks in a row, and like I mentioned, the second-ranked defense in the entire NFL in total defense. So what is it like seeing them perform at such a high level against the Vikings offense where, you know, they have weapons. Kirk Cousins going into that game was the highest-rated quarterback in QBR when not under pressure. You know, they have Adam Thielen. They have Justin Jefferson. They have all these uh, star, you know, weapons, Dalvin Cook. So what is it like seeing them perform well two weeks in a row and, again, against such a high-powered offense like the Vikings? First of all, I'd like to correct you. In the beginning, you said both of us picked this to be an ugly game. Only one of us did, and that was me. Oh, Reggie, Reggie, didn't it? Reggie said it was going to be a high-scoring game. <laughs> now, he, now, he's the only guy I know that speaks like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, to answer your question, and I'll and I'll start with uh, Greedy, Grand Delpa, and JOK. These guys. Uh, they filled in for other guys who were who were out, but at the same time, each one of these guys was a projected first round pick. 
you know, so these, these are guys that we got for steals that that came that are first round picks that we got in the second round or, or what have you, and they're coming in and making the plays that we expected them to make, and that's why you know I'm not surprised, and I don't think Reggie's surprised either because we expected these guys to be able to do do this. That's that's where they were that's where they were picked for, and and then and defensively. I mean, they, they've been playing well. I expected them to play well just because, you know, in the beginning of the year, there's seven new starters, um, and then we get injuries at, at the same time. And these and these guys, are they're finally trying to gel together. I mean, Joe Wood has a big task in trying to bring in seven new starters, guys that have played in different positions in, 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 other, in other organizations, and now he's trying to mold them together. And, and they're, they're, getting their, they're hitting their stride at the right time, I believe. They definitely are, and I mean, you mentioned, you know, you highlighted all those three guys that I mentioned, and Grant Delpit was one who obviously, you know, everybody talks about JOK, you know, he's he's the highest rated rookie um, in his whole draft class, he's the second highest rated linebacker according to PFF behind Bill's Matt Milano, which is, you know, as a rookie, again, in the second round, you know, being the second highest graded linebacker in the entire league is absolutely amazing, but Grant Delpit is a guy who I love watching. Um, he made a nice play on the ball. I believe it was on Adam Thielen diving to make that play, batted it down. Um, it was a great play. Um, Reggie, let's talk about the defensive line a little bit. I mean, you know, Miles Garrett, we've known. He's a freak of nature, one of the best, best athletes on the field at all times. Um, but Jadavian Clowney is someone I want to highlight. He's tied for fifth after week four with Aaron Donald with 21 total QB pressures through four games, which is an amazing stat. And I personally believe what Jadavian Clowney does – doesn't always show up on the stat sheet. Um, lining him up when Stefanski decides or Joe Woods decides to line him up, not only opposite Miles Garrett, but also next to him, I think that is a combination that not a lot of us expected to see, but it has been absolutely deadly. So, Reggie, what do you think of the defensive line and how they've played through the first four games? Well, because of the defensive line, you get such a, an opportunity for the play on the back end. Um, with that D-line playing, with the pressure they're bringing and the opportunities they'll create on the backside, it's making things easier for our guys. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they're not getting it thrown, thrown as perfectly as they would be. They're allowing the pressure to get to Kirk Cousins. And like we said, he plays one way when there's no pressure, and when there is pressure, he doesn't play so well. And we rush in four, which is real nice. Anybody who can rush forward, play seven, and do what they want to do on the back end, and we've set ourselves up, self up for success. Um, you got to remember, JOK is playing. Walker hasn't played since the first game. I mean, all these young kids have played big-time college football. They're expected to come in and play. I mean, what Andrew Barry, the front office, and the coaching staff has been able to do is stack talent. Uh, when someone goes down, someone else steps in, and that's what they've been able to do. It's, it's nice to see that they don't worry about when someone's out. They just pick up the pieces, next man up, and they keep playing good football. So, you know, they pretty much scored, uh, you know, you had six points and seven points in the last two weeks. Now, you really haven't played the offense that I thought Minnesota was going to throw at us. I'm surprised that it wasn't such a low-scoring game. And actually, by the way, a real ugly game. Um, but then this week they get San Diego, and who knows what may turn out with the team that we saw last night. But uh, if we continue to do what we do and control what we do, I think on defense, uh, you win championships, offense, you score points. You, I love you know, when I look at when I look at, at, at our defense and, and – and, you made a point, uh, Lange, that the last two teams that we played offensively weren't high-powered as, as maybe the, the Chargers will be. But when I when I think about it, I think of it like 
the Browns defense being Floyd Mayweather. Everybody looks pretty until they make them look ugly, right? And I think right. that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing right now. They're making other teams look ugly offensively because of the depth they have at the line with with uh, Jadavion Clowney, Tack McKinley, uh, of course, Miles Garrett, you know, McDowell and Malik Jackson, these guys. And, and they're able to rush the, the passer from all different ways and, 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 and the versatility of these guys because everybody doesn't have to be a defensive end. They can move these guys inside. Right. And, 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 and with those guys being defensive end, unfortunately, in that position, they're measured by sacks. If you don't have 15 and a half sacks, right. then you haven't done anything. But these guys are still disruptive, and that's what Grant was saying about Jadavion in the beginning. Absolutely. And uh, I feel like a lot of the guys, not only Clowney, who I mentioned, it, a lot of these guys, like you said, you know, they show up, and it's not on the stat sheet. I mean, getting pressure every single play. I mean, being in Minnesota, you know, talking to those fans there, they – they're almost dumbfounded at how literally almost every time Kirk Cousins dropped back to pass, he's under pressure. I mean, he had a lot of QB hits, a lot of pressures, you know, this past week. Um, Reggie, you mentioned the coaching staff. You know, you mentioned Andrew Barry, who you're exactly right, has done a fantastic job at stacking talent. I mean, like, again, we, we've all mentioned it. You know, one guy goes out, next man up, and I think that's something that the Browns have been missing for a while now, but they finally have, you know, captured that next man up mentality and is working perfectly for them. Let's talk about Kevin Stefanski a little bit. I think, um, personally, I think, you know, Kevin Stefanski has been absolutely great for the Browns in, you know, last year, coach of the year, absolutely fantastic. This year, he's been great. I think so far, you know, yesterday was one of his poorly coached games, you know, in his Browns tenure, short Browns tenure. And again, it's okay. A win is a win. You know, we're back in Minnesota, you know, I'm sure the nerves are floating around, but in my opinion, I think, you know, going forward on fourth down in the red zone at the beginning of the game was a little too cute. Um, you know, we almost botched, um, a whole entire drive when we were down, you know, when Kareem Hunt scored that running touchdown in the beginning of the game, I believe it was the second quarter, our first, first and only touchdown. Um, you know, we got saved by that defensive holding and we almost, you know, it took, took us to fourth down again to score. Um, I don't like coming out with two pass plays when you're in first and goal on the two and Nick Chubb isn't even in the game. So Reggie, do you think, you know, based on, you know, again, you know, going forward on fourth instead of kicking the field goal, as well as, you know, not having Nick Chubb in, you know, simplicity is is key. You know, Nick Chubb, ground and pound, he's going to score almost every time at the goal line. So do you think he was a little too cute in this game? So if, if you ask me the first time that we went for it on fourth down, I, I was against it. Um, obviously, you want to take the points, you're on the roads and you're down there. But like great coaches say, if you make it happen, it's a great thing, but it didn't happen. So, no. That is a, was a horrible decision for as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I think whether whether you have Hunt or Cribs in the backfield in those situations, they both have the ability to score to score touchdowns inside the five. I mean, they're both excellent backs. Chubb being the workhorse, and I think Hunt just has a slippery way of scoring uh, of scoring touchdowns. Um, but at the same time, I mean, there's enough talent on that on that team to play better than what they played on Sunday. And I don't know if Coach Stefanski called such a horrible game. I think some of those decisions might have been questionable. I think the play from number six probably was the biggest issue because there was third downs that probably should have been converted. <clears throat> there was passes that were make, missed that could keep drives going. So I think if we get a little better play from uh, from our quarterback and, and our defense keeps playing the way we're playing, I, I don't see there being any issues. Coach Stefanski has brought a culture to this organization, Absolutely. which is a blessing for all of us who cheer for him and all the fans in the city who have seen five, six, seven, eight coaches, 20, 
won 22 quarterbacks come in and out of this city. Finally, there's a guy that is as poised and has confident, and yet he's instilled such a such a such a team that, that they believe in what he's doing. He sold them a bag of goods that's real. If you believe yes. in what we're doing, you like what we're doing. We've got a bunch of guys that each week guys have to compete. I mean, we got all these draft picks. None of them want to be on the bench. Nobody wants to screw up off the field and make mistakes and not be accounted for. They're holding each other accountable because each of them want playing time because this is going to be a winning franchise, and you want to be part of it. So everybody's going to show up to work on time, participate, try to stay healthy because you can't play on the field on Sunday if you don't work on Wednesday and Thursday. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do down the road. And You know, Reggie, you make a great point. One that I really haven't thought of is, you know, how you mentioned earlier stacking talent, stacking, you know, draft picks, stacking great players and landing all these draft picks. But I think, you know, you do make a great point. And is, is if all these guys, like I said, they want playing time. They want to be on the field. Nobody wants to be on the bench. And building that winning culture and I think, more importantly, building that competitive culture is what fuels these guys and what fuels, you know, everyone to be play better. Because I think, you know, if you're worried, like you mentioned, on Wednesday or Thursday, you know, take linebackers for position. You know, Mac Wilson is a guy who they said he had a great camp. They said he was the highlight of camp, and he hasn't played much. He had the lowest amount of snaps in the linebacking core on on um, Sunday. And, you know, other guys are stepping up. So I think, you know, building that culture, like you said, is super important because, again, all these guys, while they're competing against the other team, they're also, like you said, competing against one another for playing time, and I think that just sparks, you know, good play in the best out of everybody. Now, you also, you also mentioned Baker Mayfield, and so I, I think it's time, you know, Eric, I'll start with you. We, I've been wanting to bring this up for a while now. We've had a couple podcasts, and we haven't talked about it, and it just gets talked about so much. I'm sure Reggie has good input on this, too, as a wide receiver, but when it comes to Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr., I think... People beat this almost where they're like beating a dead horse. It is, you know, does Odell make Beck, make Baker Mayfield, excuse me, worse? Does Baker Mayfield just have a disconnection when Odell's on the field? I mean, I really think, you know, Baker Mayfield Sunday, he was 0 for 6 on passes of 20 plus yards. He missed Odell on, I can recall, three touchdowns. He he burned the guy on the, on the fade route in the corner. He burned the guy late in the game on third down with like a minute left. And he also burned the guy down the sideline. I believe it was the third quarter. So my, my problem with this, Eric, and, you know, I'm interested to get your input on this, is everybody is saying that, you know, there's a disconnect here. You know, for whatever reason, when Odell Beckham Jr. is on the field, Baker Mayfield feels like he has to force it to him. He only is looking at... Um, Odell Beckham and a lot of people pointed to the play um, on third down when Demetric Felton was in the flat and they went back and watched the film and Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't even open and Baker Mayfield was just staring him down when he could have dumped it down to Felton and we would have had a first down now again that is only one play but again my problem here lies say say Baker Mayfield hits Odell Beckham Jr. on two of those passes or one of them Odell has probably, you know, 5,200 yards and a touchdown. Nobody talks about it. If he hits him on all three, Odell has this monster game, and there is no conversation about a disconnect. So I just, the disconnect clearly is somewhere because for whatever reason, you know, the injury Baker Mayfield is not throwing shoulder, you know, that could be a reason. But, you know, what do you think is going on, and why does it feel like, again, whether it's accurate or not, why does it feel like still that every time Odell's on the field, Baker Mayfield just cannot hang with him 
there there are so many ways I could answer this question, <laughs> right? And I, I don't know which one to choose, but I'm going to start with, say, when uh, he didn't hit Demetri Felton. I, I don't believe that's an Odell thing, right? I don't either. O, o, Odell, he can only do what he's asked to do and run his round. If he's covered, he's covered. If the guy is sitting in front of your face, throw him the ball. Throw him the damn ball. And, you know, so – and then there's other – like you mentioned the three times that uh, he overthrew Odell and, and he could have had big plays. But then there's other times when he overthrew other people. Right. And, and Joku, Hooper, um, the guy just uh, – uh, Kareem. But no one says anything about that. So is it really him and Odell or is it just the timing isn't there for the quarterback right now as we would expect it to be in these type of games? And so that's what, like, going back to what Reggie said, I'm looking for better play from number six. You know, if if in order for this team to go be successful and, and win games, everybody knows we're a running football team. When the Cleveland Browns walk off the bus, they're going to run the ball and you just have to stop it. And that's fine. And they probably can't stop it, but there's still going to be times when uh, Baker's going to have to make winning plays, and and he just didn't do that Sunday. And, and you on that, Reggie, yeah, you know, I, I was not even just thinking about the, this game um, against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I, I can take you back to the game against Chicago. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones, you made some spectacular catches, twisting and turning on the sideline of balls that were not put where they were supposed to. Be put now. Baker is is supposed to be a very accurate guy, and there's games he just absolutely lights it up. Now I can't tell you what happens in his head or what happens in his game that he gets in these funks. I don't I don't see any any issues with missing coverages or anything like that. These are just passes that he maybe sees late and he rushes and he, they all go high. Majority of them all go high. I I I don't know what what uh, what engine in his head is telling him to all of a sudden fire so hard or miss 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 the reads that he's supposed to look at. I don't have a, an issue with, with Odell and, uh, and Baker Mayfield, the way things are going. I, but I'll I tell you this, I haven't seen many games. I think uh, we've got a couple on Odell this year. We got six or seven last year and before that, where they've absolutely connected and just lit it up for 200 yards. Right. I don't think it's been that way since he's been in Cleveland. The big game people talk about is a reverse against Dallas and a big catch against Cincy last year. But I'm talking about a receiver and a quarterback that hook up eight, nine, ten times a game. When you're number one receiver, now Jarvis Landry and Baker have done that. I mean, that's just been a natural flow. So I don't know if they're, they're I don't think they're force feeding it. I just think that it just hasn't worked out where they get, you know, where they can hook up, you know, seven, eight, nine times a game. It looks harder for them than it does for most quarterbacks in a number one receiver. It shouldn't but, but be that Lange, hard. But Lange, but, but Lange, you know, and I and I I get that and everything. And you say Jarvis and Baker hooked up that way, but. Jarvis and Jarvis and Baker are throwing intermediate routes. Correct. When when they when they put when they put Odell out there, they're expecting everybody's expecting the big play. And so, like you said, Baker's supposed to be this accurate guy. Odell the other day had lots of separation a yes, few sir. times. And, and and he did not connect. And so I don't know, I, I don't see how people can say that's Odell making making Baker worse than he was before or the team's not I, as good with him there. I think that I think that's something that like you said, Lang, either he's reading too late or whatever, because he just needs to let that thing fly. Right. It, it, I'm super glad, you know, both of you guys I agree with both of you guys. I'm I have been one to been way more critical of oh uh, excuse me of Baker Mayfield and I think it is a six issue not a thirteen issue, um 
So I will ask both you guys, and you know anybody, feel free to answer. I just, why does it feel like so many? Again, ultimately, at the end of the day, opinions from you know other Browns fans and other analysts. At the end of the day, they're all just opinions, but it still feels like everybody just points to the numbers of when Baker Mayfield, how his numbers are when Odell isn't on the field versus when he is. Why can't we just, as a collective unit, say? Six has to be better. Why Why is it always comparing? Because, again, I agree with both of you guys. I think you guys, you know, are on the same page to where I think Eric mentioned it. You know, it wasn't just overthrowing Odell. It was overthrowing Hooper. It was overthrowing Brian. It was overthrowing all these guys, Kareem Hunt. So why, why is it always pointing the finger at Odell and why not just point blank six has to be better? You can go, Lang. <laughs> well, <laughs> This has to be better because this football team is poised for greatness if it can get a quarterback that can do the job that, that needs to be done for four quarters uh, and be consistent. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, you know, winning 12 games and getting to the playoffs. We did that last year. We're talking about the next step. Right. And what you need in that, set, in, in that situation is you need a quarterback that can come to work every day, every week, every Sunday and give you the performance that's expected of him. You know, you don't want to be in the playoffs and have a bad day. I mean, you want to know that this guy can deliver all the packages that an offensive coordinator wants to throw at him. I mean, that's probably that's probably 50% of the offense that uh, Kevin Stefanski's got in his hip pocket that he wants to unleash, but he's unable to let un- unleash because there's only so much you can do with a guy that's not throwing the ball where it's supposed to be. You can't give him more. you got to hold him back. I mean, that's just common sense. I can't give a guy more that's not doing what I want to do already. So I, I think that there's growth. I think that it, it'll work out, you know, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm cheering for the guys to get better. I want Baker and, and the rest of the offense because there's so there's so many guys out there that can absolutely play football. The faster we get the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hand and then one of his playmakers, the sooner great things are going to happen. And I think we need to figure out a way to get that done. And the less time he has it in his hands, the better we'll be. And so, Reggie, I'll ask you this now because I know, Eric, you caught, you caught plenty of passes in your day, you know, versatile. But, Reggie, as a receiver, I will ask you this. How – I mean, obviously, you know, you're not Odell. You're not on the set, but I'm sure, you know, you burn receivers or you burn corners in your day. You've been open. How frustrating do you think it can get for Odell as a receiver, you know, getting open? I mean, I've, I went back and watched the film from this game, and it wasn't just the three times – that he burned somebody for a touchdown that he was open. I mean, he was open. He gets open damn near every single play. So how frustrating can it be as a receiver, you know, to be making these nice moves, making these big plays and have the big play potential be there and it just not happen? Because as we know, before Odell came to Cleveland, people labeled him as a cancer. I mean, not to be harsh, people labeled him as a guy who can get frustrated easily. And I think... You know, he's handled himself very well in his time in Cleveland, and you saw frustration out of him on Sunday, but I think every single bit of frustration that he showed on Sunday was 110% warranted. I mean, again, you can't, you can't, you know, burn these guys and get open and, you know, not be continue to not be getting hit. So how frustrating can it become for a receiver to get open and have your quarterback, you know, not being able to deliver? Yeah, well, you know, it, it's like a, a black head that eventually has got to be popped. Um, (laughs) uh, at at some point it's okay you know you're winning football games and things are going okay you know you caught a couple of balls the other day but he's a competitor like most of the guys on the field everybody wants that football that plays offense that's why you play offense to make sure that you get an opportunity to be the best guy you can be week in and week out 
And if you keep missing him, and and the thing is now, if I'm a number one guy, and we all watch film as an offense, and I'm wide open, and the quarterback sees he can't get the ball to me, he knows I'm frustrated. Now, does that play a part in Baker's mind when he knows he's watching film and I can't get the ball to Odell, so then I start pressing myself? All that's the psychological side of football, whether or not those two men are having those frustrations within themselves. And I played with five quarterbacks one year, and, and one quarterback seemed like he couldn't throw it but one way, and then the other guy could only throw it the other way. It, it's, it's patience. Uh, it takes a lot to pull a team together. And I think the journey of a season dictates all that. So we've only played, what, four games now? So now you've got the, the first half of the season about to be done with the next four games. Maybe they work the kinks out. This is a journey. Every game is just a chapter. You, you stock it away, you go to the next chapter. The chapter this week is they're going to play the, San Diego, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, who are a very solid football team. What obstacles will we face? Will Odell be this? Will it be this week where he catches a slant and goes for 70 yards? I mean, this is how it works out for everybody. Kevin Stefanski knows the player that Odell Beckham is. No question. He wants him to get the ball. Baker Mayfield knows that. So it's up to them to get it solved. I don't know who and, and, and what scenario that goes on uh, within them, but I know this. They are aware of what we are aware of, and they would love to make it go away. But if it doesn't go away, then they don't have an answer for it. Then there's always an answer at the end. Absolutely. And if, you know, if the answer, you know, means splitting, then, you know, they're going to take proper action to get done what needs to get done. Because like you said, always an, there's always an answer. There's always something better coming. You mentioned the Chargers. I, I think, you know, you guys both said it. It's going to be a really tough game. You know, they looked really good again last night. I'm a huge fan of Justin Herbert. That kid can play, flat out play. Um, but, you know, Eric, you know, we talked about a little bit off air. Eric has a memory he might have, you know, playing against a team we're about to play. So, Eric, I'll let you take it away. You know, I it's funny because I, I mentioned that to you, and and I I only have bad memories playing against uh, the San Diego Chargers. I mean, I remember being in Cleveland in like 1990 and, and fumbling against them. But I do have good memories as as a player for the Chargers because I actually went to the Pro Bowl playing for them. Yep. <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I have bad memories playing against them, but I have good memories, you know, playing uh, for the Chargers. I mean, but it's 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 been it's funny because uh, the only reason I went to go play for the San Diego Chargers at the time is because as a kid growing up, that was my f- favorite team. I I love the San Diego Chargers. I love that that powdered blue and all that. And then when my when uh, Don Coriel left from the St. Louis Cardinals and went there, I loved them even more. So that's so I have this infatuation with the the San Diego Chargers, even though I obviously want the Los Angeles Chargers to lose this week. I need the Browns to win. We all want the Browns to win, but I I, I still just love that 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 uniform that they wear. So that's that's what's special to me right now about that. You like that baby blue. <laughs> I love that powder blue. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, the Chargers the Chargers have a nice blue and I like the Lions blue a lot. I love I love their blue as well. I like the blue and the gray combination. Um SoFi also, I know you guys have seen. I mean, you watched the game last night. It is a beautiful stadium. Are uh, any of you guys making the trip to LA? I know Eric, I'm sure you're not. Reggie? I am. You are? Matt is going. Oh yeah, he's going. I'm, I'm going. Yes, I'm oh. actually going. And I've been in the stadium before. 
Um, I did a charity event in there uh, in April. And so, but I've been in stadium, obviously not during the football game, but so this will be my first time while football games going on. And, and, and if I, if it's anything last night, we have the opportunity to have more Browns fans there than they do Chargers fans. <laughs> there was a, I mean, because the Raiders were way louder than the, the Chargers fans. So yeah, we have did. the opportunity with all these Browns backers clubs down there in, in, in Southern California. So I'm looking forward to that. So how, you know, as playing in many different stadiums, you know, in your day, how how crazy is SoFi? Because I've, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff about it. You said you were there for a charity event. Obviously, it'll be way different being there for a football game. But, I mean, $6 billion in renovation. How crazy is it? Oh, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's, I, it's it's hard to describe. I mean, you know, Lange and I, we played in old Cleveland Stadium. So it's, it, it, it just didn't have the same amenities, did it, Lange? Right, not at all. Lange <laughs> <laughs> clothes on a nail. <laughs> right, 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 right. But it, but it was our house. It's like we loved that. Yeah, that's right. But but this thing that they have down in uh, L.A. SoFi Stadium is, is, is something special. I mean, it, it just looks futuristic when you walk in there, and everything just just nice, and it, it makes you not want to play football, just want to lounge around and, and, <laughs> and, and, and sip champagne. <laughs> it was funny because, like I said, we were in Minnesota, my girlfriend and I, and we were sitting. I believe when we were three hundred eight, so we were in like you know right around the club level, a little bit above it. And Minnesota, you know, they have this section in the corner of their stadium. Um, they just have couches. They're just lounge couches. It's almost like, you know, you're watching the game at home, but you're in the stadium. It was crazy. And they were like open too. you know, I obviously club level of many stadiums have couches, but these were like, they were just out in the open couches to where it felt like, you know, it was like if I was sitting in my seat, but replacing with, you know, a lounge couch, food, drinks, you know, I'm sure SoFi had something like that, but it was just crazy. Then we were talking about it at home. We were like, you know, how you mentioned, Eric, you know, how Cleveland obviously wasn't like that back then. Even now, I mean, Cleveland, you know, first century stadium isn't, you know, like Minnesota. It's not like SoFi, but there's something about the home feeling and, you know, the old school stuff that still is associated with the stadium, you know, that makes it feel like home. And, you know, you really do enjoy it when you go to a new stadium like SoFi or Minnesota or wherever. You come back home to Cleveland, you're like, damn, you know, this is my city. This is where I play. And it, it's a really good feeling. Um, Reggie, do you have a prediction on Chargers Browns on Sunday or not yet? I always got a prediction on some whether it comes <laughs> or not. You know, I, I, I like what uh, the Chargers did last night. I like that kid playing quarterback. But uh, one thing is for sure, I think our defense is real. Um, and I think Eckler is going to be the key. If we can shut down the run and make the kid throw, I think our boards can get to him in time. It's just it's just one of those things. I'm going to I'm gonna take the, the higher end still. I love offense. So I'm going to go 27-24 Cleveland. Oh gosh! Don't do that to me. I'm, I'm telling you this because I was going, I was going 27-17 Cleveland, and so that's what I'm I don't need you to pick. In the, I, I need to be right, but you know, and, and, you know what? Like, Did you hear that, Grant? I need to be right. Oh man! And I watched the game last night, and, and like the, like you guys said, uh, Justin Herbert was uh, he was phenomenal. But what I did notice in watching that game and and throwing those passes he was on his back a lot 
He, right. would, he was getting he was getting them off, but he was on his back a lot. And and I honestly believe that our our line is is better than than the Raiders. And so we'll get to him faster. And so some of those passes he might not be able to get off. I mean, like you said, stopping Eckler is probably the key. But but that was that was the key, the same key going into trying to stop Dalvin Cook. You stop Dalvin Cook in that running game, you stop yep. him for the most part. And so I I feel like it's 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 kind of the same thing this week. If we can stop Eckler, get to the quarterback and frustrate him and make him uncomfortable. We we have a very good chance of winning this game. Absolutely. So Eric, you you're we'll close with you. You said you're going 27-17 Browns. Yes, I am. And I'm that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm going I'm going 31-23 Browns. I uh I think you know like you guys mentioned you know stopping Austin Eckler is going to be key, but we have a great run defense. I, I'm more I'm really you know I'm circling that Cardinals game. I I thought you know their three no record through their first three games was kind of shaky, but but uh, man, did they perform against the, the um, who the hey, hey Lang Lang? Will yeah. you please tell Grant one game at a time? <laughs> <laughs> you know I how it goes, one game at a time. We I, I gotta get this one first. We yeah, can't be talking this, about the Cardinals yet. I, I this, told this I told week, you, Eric. I told you I'm a scoreboard watcher. <laughs> hey, listen. Let me say this so we're on the same page because you know Wills has been banged up. Um, I don't know what happened with his MRI, but. Uh, you got that Bosa boy that's playing defense in for for the Chargers. So oh, yeah. with, they they got a nice little defense over there too. So it'll be another good challenge for our quarterback. Um, I'd like to see him get tested week in and week out, as long as we get the victories, so that he gets better. Because we we when you get to week 13, 14, 15, you need to be fine on all eight cylinders. Absolutely, and that's uh, coming from a car salesman. <laughs> 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 you know, full banging. You an eight cylinder dog. <laughs> on that note, boys, we will close it out. Reggie, you know, thank you again for coming on, man. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Great to meet you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we figured it out. Okay, guys, let me know if I can thanks help you. out down the road, man. Okay, brother. All right, thanks, brother. Absolutely. I'll be good. All right, babe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.